Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Good evening and welcome to Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, authors Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. To learn more about your hosts, visit our websites at TamaraThorne.com and AlistairCross.com. You can also give our Haunted Nights Live page a like on Facebook or visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com. If you tweet, you can follow us on Twitter at at thorncross. Special thanks to W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. This is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Welcome to the show, everyone, and thanks for listening. Uh, we're still on the lookout for true ghost stories, so if you have one and you'd like us to read it on the air, uh, email it to us at hauntednightslive at gmail.com. Uh, you can read the guidelines uh, at my website at alistaircross.com backslash ghosts. Um, tonight, our special guest is Elizabeth Massey. Uh, she's, uh, we're really excited to have her. Um, she's a ninth-generation Virginian. She's the author of 11 horror novels five collections, and more than 100 short stories. She's won the Bram Stoker Award twice and the Scribe Award for her novelization of the third season of Showtime's original television show, The Tudors. She also writes historical fiction and mainstream fiction, poetry, educational materials, and just about everything else. Uh, In her spare time, she draws zombies and hippies and sometimes hippie zombies, knits very long scarves, geocaches, and reads books in all genres. Uh, Elizabeth will be giving away one copy each of her books, Desper Hollow, Hellgate, and Night Benedictions, tonight. Uh, all you have to do is email us at hauntednightslive at gmail.com, or you can private message us on, Thorn and, on our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. Uh, again, she's giving away three copies to three winners, one copy to three winners of Desper Hollow, Hellgate, and Night Benedictions. Um, before we introduce her, I'm going to turn the time over to my cohort, Tamara Thorne, who is going to read an excerpt from Elizabeth's novel, Hellgate. Are you there, Tamara? I'm here. I love this book. All right. Hellgate, July 1909. The wooden chair was built to spin round and round, worked by a foot pedal in the closet, and a hydraulic hose that ran through a hole in the wall and across the floor. There were four leather straps on the chair, one to secure each arm, one across the chest, and one down tight over the thighs so that the man or woman on the ride would stay in place and could watch the scenes that would soon be flashed on the wall. So the rider couldn't escape when he or she began to feel sick or justifiably terrified. At this particular moment, there was a dapper, pudgy gentleman in a spinning chair, though his dapperness was long gone. His eyes rolled and his mouth hung slack from the spinning. He tried to speak, but the motion motion drove the words back into his throat and only a pathetic whine escaped his lips his skin was damp and pale as if the color had been spun away against the walls he smelled of sour sweat the proprietor pumped the pedal in the closet and watched the spinning chair through a tiny window in the door 
The proprietor's grin was wide and quite pleased. The chair ride was located in the back room of a tar-black two-room shack. The shack was situated among countless other independent exhibits, trinket shops, shows, and snack booths within an area called the Bowery, a maze of stuffy, smoke-scented alleyways between Coney Island Surf Avenue to the north and Shoreline to the south, Steeplechase Park to the west and Dreamland Park to the east. Located at the back of a very narrow dead-end corridor off one of the main walkways, the tar-black shack was not the most popular amusement in the Bowery by any means. Most folks never saw it back in the shadows and passed on by, opting for the dance halls, snack shops, and stereograph booths where, for a penny or two, they could gaze into a wooden viewer at, a three-dimensional, at three-dimensional photographs of wild elephants or naked women. However, as long as enough holidayers found the shack with its intriguing red lettering, Snow's Symposium of Secrets and Surprises, and their curiosity was enough to cause them to part with their nickel to see the magic within, the goal was accomplished. All were welcome to sit on a bench in the front room to view the sleight of hand and parlor tricks performed by Rex, the proprietor's bald and towering assistant. Children and old folks alike were enthralled when cards disappeared and reappeared, torn paper was made whole again, and coins were pulled from behind a customer's ear. However, the back room was reserved for those few special thrill-seekers, adults-only, lone souls, those who inquired, asking, what, may I ask, is in the room behind those curious velvet curtains? Only those only those who would not be missed were invited to see. The proprietor pushed the pedal harder, and the, metal, and the chair went round, 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 round. The man's arms spasmed on the rest. His chest heaved against the straps. His face contorted, his lips drawn back. Then the light went out, and the projectors clicked on. Sharp-toothed rabbits and horned devils appeared instantly on the walls, dancing, dancing, up and down, amid flashing reds and oranges. The man cried as round and round he went, round and round as the devils and rabbits danced, round and round until the light in his eyes winked out. Very nice. Very nice. That is an excerpt from our guest, uh, Elizabeth Massey's uh, book, uh, Hellgate. Um, uh, Before I introduce her, uh, don't forget to pick up your copy of The Ghosts of Ravencrest, Night Moves. That is the fifth installment in our gothic serialized novel, The Ghosts of Ravencrest. It's available now at Amazon as well as the uh, other previous, uh, the previous four installments. Uh, we have uh, the, the sixth installment, which is titled Dead Girls, will be coming out in April. And before that, our debut horror novel, The Cliff House Haunting, will be coming to Kindle in just a matter of weeks now. Uh, that being said, without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Elizabeth Massey. Hello, Elizabeth. Oh. Hi, thanks for having me on this. This is going to be fun. Uh, We're glad to have you. Yes, it's an honor, truly. Oh, thank you. You're too (laughs) kind. (laughs) And we we love your accent. (laughs) Yes, we've talked for the show about her accent. We love her accent. (laughs) And I love yours. I do. (laughs) Well, we don't have accents. Exactly. So what can you tell us about what can you tell us about that that excerpt the scene and that book Hellgate Well the novel it's set basically in the late 1800s and the early 1900s um in upstate New York and then most of it on Coney Island um the the excerpt that you read introduces um one of the main characters who's 
true identity is not really revealed until closer to the end of the novel, but um, is someone who wreaks quite a bit of havoc in the shadows um, of, of Coney Island. Place what, the place fascinated me. I mean, the, the entire, the, the amusement parks and the food booths and all that crammed into this one area during a time period when there was no, uh, there were no regulations for safety, whether it be a ride or whether it be um, the purity of the food that they were serving you. Um, there was, it was a fascinating, bright, sparkly place of amusement on the surface. But underneath, there was a lot of danger. There was a lot of mischief. There were a lot of, of people who could take advantage of you. Um, and I thought this was a great place to set a novel. And I, you know, I just love old amusement parks anyway. Um, nice. So I had to have a character who had some sort of connection to that that underbelly with rides. And and see, I'm a person who I, I love amusement parks, but I hate rides. I hate to ride on them because <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, the idea of the you know in the excerpt that you read where the guy's spinning to me that's the worst uh-huh. ever because I spin uh. once in my chair and I'm dizzy. Just one time Aww. around, I can't I can't even cross my eyes without getting dizzy. So the whole idea <laughs> oh. of being trapped in a spinning chair is like, oh shit. Oh, can I say that? Yeah. I can say that, right? Okay. Yes, you can. Um, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so my guy has this this ride, and he is collecting people for a certain reason. And this ride, the spinning chair, um, it basically strips the the mind from those people who are strapped into it. And then oh, he wow. takes those people and he uses them to his own purposes, which I won't explain now. But but that's how he collects people. Um, and the story is actually fairly large. There's a lot going on in the book. But um, he is the main the main focus uh, for my the the other main character, that the quote unquote good girl who has to um, try to solve some murders in the area. Interesting. Is it a is it is it supernatural at all, or oh yeah, mystery? very definitely, oh, cool. definitely supernatural. Um, it's it's, both, it, it's supernatural horror, and it's also a mystery too. Nice. Oh, perfect! It's already in my cart on Amazon. Oh, good. I good. Oh, I, <laughs> I like the, to know the books are in carts. That's good. Yeah. So the um. <laughs> so this idea oh, that this that this strips you know their minds. That's actually yeah. really unique. I've never actually heard anything like that. Where 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 did that idea come from? For me spinning in my chair. You know, I spin well, in my I chair. Know. Not only am I dizzy, but I can't even think for a minute. You know, like, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have know, a niece. I, actually, <laughs> I have a niece, and <laughs> I'm sorry. God, I, I was going to say I have a niece, and when she was probably ten. I I went with her and my sister and brother-in-law to the you know one of those little carnivals that come. I don't know where you live, mm-hmm. but where I live in this small town. Actually, I'm in the country, but there's a t- small town near us, and these little carnivals come in the summertime, and they set up in a parking lot, and they're there for about a week, and you know they have probably ten rides and some food booths and some games and stuff. But we went, and my niece was ten, and she was there was this little ride that was these big fiberglass bears. And they had a big hole in their stomachs, and you sat in the bear, and they went around the, the they went around on a track, 
But inside the bear, there's a wheel. And so we went in and sat on the bench inside the fiberglass bear, and I told my niece, do not touch that wheel because it's going to make the bear spin. And I don't spin. <laughs> I do not spin. So she was fine with that. But what happened was all of a sudden the bear ride becomes the most popular thing there at the carnival, and all these other kids come. Three boys of about 14, 15 years old get stuck in the bear with my niece and me. And so they grab the wheel, and they start spinning that thing, and they spin it the entire time. And when I got out, it took it 25 minutes for me to even have any sense of where uh. I was. So the whole idea of one's mind, of one's mind being spun away, I, I sort of understand that. If you put and me just, on something, it goes... Uh, if you put me on something, if you put me on something that goes backwards and upside down at the same time, I oh, understand. God, no. But oh, man, no, I love those no, no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I love like to watch the right. rides. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. to watch rides because I, 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 I'm. It's really strange because I like to watch people riding and imagine what it's like to enjoy it, but I can't do yeah. it myself. I cannot do it myself. Yeah. So the uh, idea, but then, then back to the idea of spinning your mind away. That's one of the things yeah. that scares me the most is the idea of anybody being able to strip you of your identity oh. and, and yeah. Your, yeah. your mind and your, your um, mental capacity to deal with things. That's, to me, one of the scariest things. So anyway, the two together ended up with the character of Rex. Nice. Wow. Very nice. Well, um, I, I totally understand your, your fear of, of rides. I don't like them either. And oh, as far as getting sick, I get, I get, ask Tamara, I have to take Dramamine <laughs> just to ride all day because <laughs> if I'm yeah. on the computer and the yeah. words are moving, oh, well. I get like, yeah, I get seasick from sitting, you know, yeah. in my computer, but yeah, it's bad. Well, that's, but, that's, now that's uh, pretty bad. <laughs> it is. It's it bad. Is. It is. Well, my husband is just like you on the, I, when we were teenagers before we were married, I took him on the teacups at Disneyland. Oh God, he no. won't go on them. Yeah, he no. won't go on them. That was the only time. No, no, no. He, almost, he almost lost his cookies. Now I have. Then, but then we had a son, and I'd take him on it with me, and he had my ears, so it was okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, like I said, mm-hmm. I, I I am fascinated by people who can handle it, and I like to watch you guys. I like yeah. to watch I'm you going around, but, but I would rather it. be. Yeah, wooden old wooden roller coaster. I think the Luna Park, maybe it was steeplechase. It's a cyclone racer from Coney Island. They rebuilt yes, one out yes. here, and oh, that's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> so she <laughs> likes that stuff. <laughs> it, it I think who has the tolerance me. for that. It continually like surprises me how tame horror authors are. I'm I'm always surprised by how tame horror authors usually are. People <laughs> think that. <laughs> Oh, and, and, yeah, no, don't get me wild. don't get me started on uh, haunted houses. Oh my gosh, <laughs> exactly. I'm horrible. Uh, I'm horrible. Oh my I gosh, my, my family went to Wisconsin Dells and they had one of these walk-through horror things, you know, horrible uh-huh. yeah. horror house. Oh, and and it's like, oh, we got to go, we got to go. I was like, oh man, I'm going to go. But I wanted to be in the middle of everybody. So not, if anything jumped out, it was going to get this yeah. person in the front and the person <laughs> in the back. So what do I do? I scream the whole way through because I think that's going to help. Of course, that makes it worse. And because, you know, when you scream, they think, oh, this is fun. Let's make her, scre- make her scream more. And so they do oh, jump yeah. out at you. And then when you go outside on the sidewalk, you realize there's a loudspeaker, and everybody outside has been hearing you. Everybody <laughs> out on the sidewalk. And it's like, oh, there's that gal uh, that was screaming. Oh, uh, my word I'm, I'm, on I'm, the Queen Mary. Yeah. The Queen Mary had their Halloween haunt. It was real early years and years yeah. ago. And we were, we were dawdling along the back. 
and there were lots of kids. That's why we were dawdling, to stay away from the kids. Uh-huh. And uh, a dead sailor stepped out of a little cubby right in front of me, and I yelled out the F word at the top of my lungs. <laughs> They're all the little kitties. And then I giggled insanely the rest of the time because I was so pleased and yet disgusted with myself. <laughs> yeah, those haunted houses are bad. <laughs> they, I'm fine if I have audience. Yeah, but otherwise yeah. I don't want to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get, get it. I get brave then. Oh. But Coney Island, it's so fascinating. I did a book called Bad Things, which is about the little traveling carnival. And it's all the same. Uh, Luna Park is the one that had all the white lights, isn't it? Well, they all had a lot of lights. But Luna was was very, yeah, had a lot of the towers, the turrets, tons of lights, tons of lights, yeah. Oh, I would have loved to see it back in those days. I would, too. I, I would, too. It just, uh, it's just but, it's just thrilling what people will do for entertainment. And, of course, you know, it was the fact that people were able to afford recreation. It was a brand-new thing, you know, with Industrial Revolution. All of a sudden, people were making a little bit more money. And um, so, you know, they and they needed to get away for a while, and he, this was perfect. It was right there, you know, the base of New York. They were able to go, uh-huh. and it became so popular, This this whole idea of people – Spending money on amusement as opposed to just the necessities of life. Right, yeah. Right. So aside aside from things like spinny chairs and <laughs> roller coasters, um, fake what, haunted houses. Yeah. Yeah, and fake haunted houses. What what else What else scares you? Like, and and, and what <laughs> what have you put in your novels that scares you? And, and do you have a hard time doing that? Um. I usually deal with things that scare me in in my novels, and usually. Well, supernaturally speaking, and this is just between the three of us, <laughs> okay, don't tell anybody else, all right? We okay, won't. I'm we won't. Let promise. You... <laughs> we promise. Okay. Mom, mom's the word. Okay. I don't believe in, any, don't believe in, 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 in supernatural creepy stuff, you know, right. like vampires and werewolves and, oh. and zombies and stuff. I know that some people think that horror writers believe all that. I, I don't yeah. believe all that. So <laughs> don't tell, okay? We won't. <laughs> but what I do find very terrifying is, is again, one of the things I mentioned earlier was anybody being able to have control over me, um, oh, you know, yeah. total control over me, um, the, the abuse of power. That, to me, is one of the, the scariest things there is. I'm also, you know, I'm really awful when it comes to enclosed spaces. I'm very claustrophobic. Um you know, my poor family went to um, um, St. Louis, and they have a little thing that you can ride up into the arch, the, the oh, St. Yeah. Louis arch. Oh, and I thought, yeah. oh, that's going to be so much fun. And I went down, yeah. and then they opened the opened the door, and it looks like a bean, like a little bean, like a little like like a little llama bean. And people get yep. in the little llama bean, and then they go up, and I went. I ain't getting in the llama bean. I'm going to go watch a movie. Oh. So, <laughs> no, thank you. So you didn't um, get in it? Huh? Did you did, did, did you get in it? Hell no. No, I, I they opened the door <laughs> and I saw it and I went, uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 I don't I do not sit in Lima Bean and I and I'm not gonna do that. So um same thing with um at Disney yeah. World the 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 Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. I mean, I'm a Twilight uh-huh. Zone fan. I should love this ride. So I go, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get on it. And we go, they open the little doors, and it's it, it's supposed to be like a little elevator that you ride in. I saw how small it was. No, thanks. So I go down and wait in the gift <laughs> shop. 
It's so pathetic. Oh, it's so pathetic. So I mean, it's, um, I'm claustrophobic and I'm afraid of heights. So those yeah. are my. You, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned that um, you don't like the ha- you know the fake haunted houses. I, I uh-uh. hate those compared mm-hmm. to real ones. Mm-hmm. So those are much more fun. But oh um, yeah, movies. Now what I have trouble with is watching movies. My husband and I we saw the Lady in Black remake. You know with Harry Potter in the theater, watched our uh-huh. knees through most of it. He's worse than uh-huh. me. And and then we bought it. We have it at home. The only way either of us can watch it without jumping or screaming is to have the uh, you know the director talking in the background. But we love it. We'll do it over and over. And it's just, <laughs> but we can't keep our eyes on Isn't it. Isn't it weird? We jump. Isn't, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. It's, it goes back to that why, why do we like to be scared? You know, I mean... I don't know. It's 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 odd. Uh, it's really odd um, because don't want to go in a haunted house. I don't want to go into the arch little thing ride. I don't want to <laughs> ride on the Twilight Zone ter- Tower of Terror. But I'm fascinated with it. Right. So I know right. it is. It's how a crazy about a house? Thing. It is. But how about a house that actually has phenomena in it, not human created, but things you can't explain? Well, a haunted I've, house. I, I've never been in a house that I felt that. The only time I've ever been somewhere that I really felt something was was odd and something was uh-huh. more than what appeared was um, I was in Gettysburg at midnight Ooh. in the cemetery uh-huh. by myself. Well, what oh, were you fun. doing there? <laughs> and, well, <laughs> believe it or not, I was researching an historical novel that I wrote for teenagers. Uh-huh. And... Um, and and I my car had broken down, and so I was stuck in Gettysburg for four days until my car got fixed. And so I just did a lot of walking, and I was walking, and I ended up going up into the cemetery um, where the, the battles raged on the second day, and it was midnight. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is nice and peaceful. Oh, wait a minute. This feels weird. It just had this yeah. odd – it wasn't even so much terrifying. It's just incredibly sad. I mean, yeah. it felt like an actual yeah. – force of sadness not just me feeling it but a sense outside myself as well it's kind of hard to explain but you feel the only i'm sorry go ahead well you oh you feel it in a different way at places like the old amusement park you can feel it's a ghost that's what a ghost is i think is a it's something embedded in the atmosphere it's not thinking or going woo, but it's there (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's atmosphere yeah, I'd yeah, love to do that. That sounds so spooky. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Another so. place. I don't know if you've ever. I don't know if you've ever been, but um, kind of like what you're talking about reminds me a little bit of the. Uh, if either of you've ever been to the uh, big uh, cemetery in Sleepy Hollow, that kind of had that really I heavy. Have. Yeah. Did you feel oh, that? I have, but unfortunately, I was there on Halloween, and so it was more festive. Oh, I mean, right. really, oh, that always, really, that always ruins it was everything. really festive. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Everybody was having present. a party. Yeah, <laughs> but I can imagine. I can imagine on a on a slow night where you know not much is going on. I bet you that does have quite a feel. Yeah, it it did. We went. Yeah. We went. It, it was yeah. It was really cool. And also, by the way, um, I did go up in that little pod and go up to the arch. And you're you're lucky you didn't because it takes a long time to get up there. It's a clunky ride, yeah. and then you get up there and the thing sways. Oh God! No, it, God. It, it sways. <laughs> it's subtle. It's Just subtle. thinking about it. Ugh. Oh God! But I love that. It's horrible. Don't, don't. Yeah. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I almost had a. Okay. Thank you. I will. Attack. 
if we ever go back and they say, come on, Beth, get on. The, now I'm going, mm-mm, Alistair said no. Yeah, don't no, do it. Do don't not do go. It. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> All right. So I will let's, use let's, you as my uh, <laughs> I will use you as my excuse. Yes, that yes, thing was knows. either swaying. That thing was either swaying in the wind, or, or I was getting the vapors. But it was creepy. <laughs> but um, let's let's talk about. Um, well, for, first of all, for those of us uh, just joining us, we are talking to two-time Bram Stoker Award-winning author Elizabeth Massey. Uh, if you email us at hauntednightslive at gmail.com or on our Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live page, uh, she's giving away three books uh, to the first three emails that we get. Uh, those will be the winners. Um, Hellgate, Desper Hollow, and Night Benedictions. Um, first, I want to talk a little bit about Desper Hollow because this one really catches my eye. And, and then I'd actually like to talk about uh, Night Benedictions. So, okay. Elizabeth, what... What can you tell us about uh, Desper Hollow? It is, well, obviously from the cover art, it's a zombie novel. And, right. um, yeah, and it, it came out from Apex. Um, Desper Hollow is not the what some people would necessarily expect because it's not a zombie apocalypse. It's not mm-hmm. where, you know, everybody, it's not like The Walking Dead where, you know, there's, thousands and thousands and thousands of zombies everywhere you turn. It's very it's a very small area. It's set <clears throat> excuse me, it's set in Appalachia, which is not too far from where I live. And um it's basically about an an old granny, Granny Mustard, who <laughs> is the head of the mustard clan up in the mountains and she wants to live forever so she's been experimenting with her moonshine recipe thinking she can come up with one that will keep her immortal um but unfortunately she dies <laughs> you know and uh her her <laughs> very her very goofy dim-witted granddaughter Jenky decides that she wants to pick up and where grainy mustard left off but Jenky doesn't have quite the smarts that grainy mustard did so she ends up creating a few zombies that she has to lock in the back of her trailer. Um, and so we've got them. We've got the janky mustard and her zombies. We've got Kathy Shaw, who is a girl who wanted to leave um, the area and go find a life elsewhere, but she gets called back because her mother ends up um, dying. And, well, I won't say what else happens to her mother but she comes back to try to help her father and she gets caught up in this this mustard clan uh adventure and um there's one zombie who actually is fairly he he can think he knows that he's in a bad situation and he doesn't know why he doesn't really remember who he is but he unlike most of the living dead who have no brains going on at all um Mm -hmm. he he wants to know what happened to him and how in the world is you know is anything going to change uh he's stuck in this trailer um so so basically it's this this um story and the mountains small scale but i think pretty intense nice nice thank you um Very nice. and you also you also um you do a lot of other things besides horror um uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about Night Benedictions, which you'll also be giving a copy away of, and um, and then I, I want to talk about some of the other stuff that you do. 
Okay, well, this Night Bend Addiction is a, is a 180-degree turn from horror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, you know, I like like you mentioned, I write a lot of different things, and I've written a lot of different things for years. Um, and um, so it, about a year and a half ago, I was sitting at my computer. It was about 10 o'clock at night. It was dark in the house. And I was just feeling like, it's nighttime, Ugh, you know, that that feeling that sometimes you get when it gets dark and your mind starts going with all the things that's happening and you just kind of get fretful. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to write something to try to soothe my own sense of anxiety. So I wrote a yeah. poem and I put it on Facebook just to kind of share with some friends. And I got some positive responses from people saying that they really enjoyed it, that that's how they were feeling that night. And it was, it was, a, it was a poem about how in spite of the fact that dark, that, that night is dark, there's really, the, the night is a good thing. You know, we need the night. It's, it offers a lot of good things for us. And um, so I, the next night I sat down about the same time and I wrote another one and I got more positive responses. So what I ended up doing for an entire year was, except for the nights that I was gone from home or I was not feeling well, I wrote either a poem or a little thought about the positive aspect of the night. And then I had people saying, I hope you're going to collect these. And I had not thought of doing that. So what I did was I collected them. And I'm, it's amazing. These, this has been selling really, really well. Nice. I've heard from Very people nice. saying, that, right? you know, people, there are all these day affirmations, you know, tons of daily affirmations. Okay. So this is nightly affirmations. And I, and it's set up where there's, you know, evening one, evening two, evening three, and it goes all the way. It even includes one for uh, a leap year. Um, nice. <laughs> and I've been really, I've been real. it's been really nice how people have reacted to it. And I've gotten a lot of people say, Wait a minute! Don't you write horror? What what is this? What is this thing? What is this redheaded stepchild that you have created? That, has no, that makes no sense. But I guess they, you know, guess what? Horror writers actually have more depth than just writing scary stuff. Right, right. At least we at least we like yeah. to think we do. We do. So before yeah, we do we get do. too yeah, before we get too far away from horror, though, um, one thing I want to ask you about <laughs> yeah, is you you have you've won the Bram Stoker Award not once. But twice, that's right? a pretty big deal. What, what, what? Yeah, what's that about? Well, I don't know. What's it about? You mean what? How, what did how, I get for? Yeah, yeah. What, what? Yeah. Or why the hell did I get it? <laughs> why what's the hell did about? you get that no. thing? What? No, no, no. Of course. Lord, well, it mean? must have been a slim, <laughs> slim slate that year. <laughs> no, let me, let me, let me rephrase. <laughs> what did you win okay. those for, and how does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the first one, the first one was for my novella called Stephen, and it appeared. It, it gosh, it appeared in the first um, issue of the. Do you remember the Borderlands anthologies that Tom Monleone did? Yeah, sure. Okay, it appeared in the first Borderlands anthology, oh. and it was a it was a story based on a dream, because um, a lot of stories do have their seeds in dreams. Um, and, and without giving away too much, it's about a, a very mentally troubled woman who goes to work at a rehabilitation center for people who are physically handicapped and are trying to get back into society. And uh, she ends up being the one who is helped through 
the person she's trying to help who is very severely physically disabled. And they kind of form a, a, a bond. Um, and, it, and even though it's horror, it's, it's kind of a sweet love story, even though it's very, very strange. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It sounds like it's in the same category I put Bubba Hotep in. Horror. The <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So, so what about what about the, the the second one? What did you what did you win for the second one? That was that was for my novel Sin Eater, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. is also which is also set very near where I live in the Appalachian Mountains, um, and uh, the the it's about the main character is a twelve year old boy whose father is the Sin Eater, and and this actually is based in an Irish legend slash tradition <clears throat> where when when people die um, and they have the wake, they take food and they put it on the chest of the deceased. And after they say their prayers and their incantations, all whatever, um, the, the people, the mourners, have to eat the food off the chest of the deceased. And it represents, or to them it literally means, you're eating the sin off away from the the out of the dead person, so they're clean enough to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But oh, because wow. the mourners because the mourners really don't want to take that on, they pick one person in the society to be the sin eater. So they have the way. Yeah. Then the, they turn away and face the wall because they don't want to look at the sin eater because the sin eater is filled with sin from everybody who's died. He comes in, he uh-huh. eats the food off the chest of the dead person, and then he goes off into the night. And he has to live alone in the woods because, you know, you don't want to happen upon him and see him because if you do, you're looking at the eyes of sin. And who knows, it'll make, mm. you, make you go crazy. So what happened in, in sin eater, to, to make a long story, not too short, but um, the sin eater in my story, actually had been married and had a couple of kids before the community said, you have to be the sin eater, and sent him on his way out into the woods to live in a little, you know, live in the trees. And uh, so his son has this stigma at school, his father's the sin eater. And so he has to to decide and struggle with what that means, um, especially when there are some murders in the community and the leader of the religious, uh, the, the religious leader of the group is saying the sin eater did it because he's eaten so much sin. He is now literally insane and, and has, you know, is out murdering people. So wow. the kid has to decide, you know, how do I deal with this? So that's pretty much the basis for sin eater. Wow. I love that. The, thank you. The idea, the idea, of course, ideas come from everywhere. Back in the... I'm going to age myself here. Back in the 70s, there was a made-for-TV movie with Lindsay Wagner, <laughs> and she played um, she played a nurse, or maybe it was a doctor, who went to Appalachia to help the poor folks, you know, with all their medical problems. Uh-huh. And there was a minor character of a sin eater, and she saw him, she just saw him, you know, in, in passing, you know, kind of skittering around through the woods, and she asked yeah. somebody about it, and they basically said, he's the sin eater, this is what he does. And that was it. And I thought, man, a character like that needs his own book. Right. You know, somebody oh, who yeah. goes through that, that's a that's a hell of a life to live. Right. It sure is. I know it so made even though, files and supernatural. Yeah. 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 So it's even though, you know, a lo- that kind of goes back to, you know, the, the fact that 
no matter what horror novel I've written or horror story I've written, well, there are a few that are just done for the hell of it, but I'm I'm really into characters and why they do what they do. And even the, ones, even the ones who are really bad, I really want to know why they do what they do. And I try to to have some sort of emotional impact. At least that's my goal is to have an emotional impact. Um, not hmm. just the scare, but also I like it when people, you know, find some sort of poignancy in there. If they do, I'm thrilled. Oh, nice. yeah. That's great. I want While we're talking about the epilations and everything, um, most families have had a strange story from their past. So tell us about I'm, your great great grandfather, James Aaron Moon. <laughs> what a great I should, name! I, I, should have, I should have said great great because he's um, he was my grandmother's grandfather. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> that's right. I, yeah, I, I had had mistyped, but um, yeah, every family, every family has some odd person in their family, and you you can't ignore it. It they're there. You know, no matter who you are, there's somebody there you don't want to introduce at a party or, you know, just somebody that you kind of like, mm, something's, something's, something stranger. Everybody's got one. Well, this, my great-great-grandfather, James Moon, actually I wouldn't have minded introducing him because he, he seemed to have some good stuff going for him. But basically he was a Quaker, and they lived in Lafayette, Indiana. And uh, he was a young man. He had gotten married and had some kids. And he, um, because he was a Quaker, he wasn't supposed to join the Army. And he did go and, and jo- he joined the Union Army during the Civil War. Um, and because of that, his Quaker uh, community tried to get him to confess that what he'd done was wrong. He didn't really feel like what he'd done was wrong. And so he was kicked out of the, uh, the Quaker community. Um, this obviously depressed him a great deal. He um, left his family and uh, got a room in a, in a hotel, which actually still exists. It's the Lar Hotel in Lafayette, Indiana. He got a room up on one of the upper floors, and um, the people who worked at the mot- at the hotel said he would come and go, and he was real cheerful, and he'd, he'd bring in, like, pieces of wood and all sorts of things. He'd go to the store and bring these boxes of things and haul them up to his room. They had no idea what he was doing. He was upstairs building a homemade guillotine, and he cut his own head off. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. You that every day. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that? He bought a broad axe, and he put it on a lever, and he got a candle, and he put his his head under a chair. He lit the candle under the string, and when it burned, the, the broad axe came down and cut his head off. And uh, in fact, in in, in in Lafayette, they do ghost tours, and he's uh-huh. one of the people they he's one of the people they talk about. And there's articles about it. There's archived articles about it uh, because it was such a such a dramatic, startlingly awful uh, thing uh-huh. that happened. But but that was my great grandfather. No and wonder you're a horror idea. author. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. You, well, you know, characters. I didn't even Why? I didn't even yeah. know about this until a couple of years ago when when my wow. when my cousins confirmed it because my my grandmother would never talk about that. She was very much yeah. a oh. you know you you keep things you keep things like that to yourself and you don't share them with yeah. the world. So I just shared it yeah. with the world. <laughs> sorry, Why sorry, grandmother. <laughs> you ever wonder? But you know, he, he 
must have been quite a depressed guy. But then again, he was making a statement. It's not like you just go and, you know, I don't know what you would overdose on back then. I don't know, laudanum or something. But, um, you know, he was making a very strong statement with that. Yeah, yeah. He wanted people to find that. He wanted people to see, you know, what he was going through. But, wow. Fascinating. Uh, The poor maid who discovered him. Yeah. Oh, man. And my mind is going, did it come all the way off or just mostly? Or See, I wonder <laughs> that, too. I wonder. <laughs> but they actually yeah. have, they have, they, they have a, a sketch of the way it looked. And uh, the room was tiny, and the broadax uh-huh. was huge. And so I think it was oh. probably heavy enough to do the trick. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's awful. I love it. I know it. So you said Ooh, that you, wow. you, you, uh, you like to understand characters and 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 what they do. Um, do you? How does your writing process work? Do you uh, do you come up with characters first? Um, and if so, as as you're as you're writing, do 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 you uh, do heavy outlines or do you just kind of let the characters do their own thing? Um, I almost always come up with characters first. You yeah. know, I. I like, you know, I do writing workshops in schools, and one thing I tell the students is, you know, as a writer, I observe people a lot. <clears throat> and, you know, it's not like I'm creepy and I'm stalking folks, but I'm really watching people um, because people fascinate me. And so I will often see someone, and then I start wondering about their lives, you know, what what is it like at home, what do they do, um, what are they worried about, what are they interested in. <clears throat> so very often I will come up with characters first, and then I'll give them a problem to deal with. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But the, okay, what was the other? <laughs> okay, the writing process. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Outlining, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't, I used to not. Sin Eater was not outlined, and Welcome Back to the Night, which was my second horror novel, was not outlined, and Wire Mesh Mothers, which was my third horror novel, was not outlined. But what happened was, once I started selling fairly regularly, um, mm-hmm. editors would say, we, you know, we want to know what this is going to, wh- where this is going, because we want to know if we're going to write cover copy, um, what we should say. So we need to know where you're going with this. So all right. of a sudden, you know, if we're going to promote it and you're not quite through, we still need to know what the book's about. So all of a sudden I was forced into not necessarily the outlines where you have the, you know, the Roman numerals and the numbers, not, but I would come up with summaries, you know, pretty, pretty, not, not totally complete summaries, but, you know, good solid summaries where I knew where I was going. It didn't mean I couldn't change some things, but, uh-huh. you know, I had to play, I had to play the game where you oh, let yeah. them know that you, you are able to come up with a story that makes sense and you can come up with a conclusion that makes sense. And um, so, I kind of ended up doing uh, doing the summaries, but I also found because um, I remember reading I can't remember who write what writer it was that said that that said they thought it was not very creative when when writers Stephen do King. that. Stephen what, King. Was it King. Well, bless yeah. his heart. But you know what? I think you, you, there's so many ways to be creative, and the fact that I'm creating the mm-hmm. summary or outline myself, how is that any less creative than just letting it roll? No, it isn't. Right. It's just a different way of yeah. being creative. You know, you can be creative in really, really tight um, guidelines. You know, you oh, can yeah. be right. really creative in, de- 
in the in some of the tightest guidelines you can be creative. And so, hey, you know what? It however it works, it works. And and um so now when I work on a novel, even one that I'm doing on spec, not one that an editor or a publisher mm-hmm. has asked for, I tend to think huh. it out. Like I said, I do I do yeah. change as I go. It's like it's like laying out the tracks for a little toy train. Um, you exactly. lay them out, and then you can rearrange them if you need to, or take right. out mm-hmm. some, put put another one in, put a bridge here, or whatever. Yeah. But you've got the basic idea. You know where you're heading, and I think it's I just as creative. I would yeah. never yeah. judge anybody's how anybody does that. However you do it, you do it good for you. Right, uh, I agree. I think of, I think yeah, I think of it as a map, a road map. And I'm going to take all these side trips probably, but I know where I'm going. And sometimes it's somewhere else, but I don't freak out because I know that I have a place to go and won't wrap Uh myself into a corner. And if it gets more interesting, you know, if characters decide that's not right, it's great. Yes. And I had a character die that I absolutely thought was going to make it to the end of one book. He died. Don't you hate that? Because what happened to him was so (laughs) awful, I went, there's no way this guy can live. And I was like, oh, Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I like oh, him to die. I don't want him yeah. to die, but he's dead. But anyway, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I hate that. Oh, they do that all the yeah. time. It's it's bad. They, they do. Yeah. They do. Um, you talked about uh, writing in in you know being creative and really strict uh, strict guidelines, and that that reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, you uh, did a novelization of uh, the the third season of the the Showtime television show the tutors actually i did the the novelization for two seasons um but oh, the third did, one was did. the one that won a won a scribe award oh wow and boy talk talk about yeah very specific guidelines. that's what i would think yeah well, oh so very how, i mean we're talking that, yeah how does that even work how did you come across it and and how do well, you work under that well well um the the producers of the tutors had the scripts and they sent me the scripts, and as they were filming in Ireland, I was writing over here. Um, and the scripts oh. are so bare. The script, scripts are so bare bones. It's basically so and so walks into a room, and they speak, and so and so speaks, and so and so. I had to do incredible amount of research on the castles and how far this house was from London, and which direction, and what were they wearing, and what were they eating, and how did they get here and there, and you know what did they look like. And there was a ton of research, and to fill in. The, the, the scripts to make a novel out of it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And nice. I learned a lot. Wow. Nice. Wow. I, yeah. So yeah, so do you, I mean, that's going to be like really exciting. Is it is it hard to do? I mean, you said it's very specific. Was it hard to do? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And they only gave me three months to do, you know, this long <laughs> 95,000 word book. Wow. Uh, only, wow. Only had three oh, months to bad. do it. <clears throat> but but it, basically, that's all I did for that time period. Um, I really just focused on that, spent a lot of hours doing it. Um, but but it was fun because it was so different from anything I'd done before. And I like a new challenge. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and like I said, I learned a lot. And every time I write something different or have to research something new, I, I find little tidbits that I can then use in a whole other way. You know, all these yeah. new uh-huh. little doors. It's like little doors opening, and you find all this cool stuff in there. And like, ooh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. And then it may play into a short story or a novel at some other point. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many yeah. things out there that can inspire. 
truly. Now, speaking of finding things, you told us that um, you're a big geocacher. Tell us about <laughs> yes. that. That sounds fascinating. I hope I pronounced <laughs> it right. Uh, it, you did. It's geo, geocaching. That's right. It's, oh, it's been going on okay. for about 10 years now, and uh, it's a global scavenger hunt where people hide containers um, anywhere. They can hide them in little places in a city. They can hide them out in the woods. They can hide them, you know, wherever you can you know, hide something, you can uh-huh. stick it in there. But um, the, the containers have a log, which is something that you sign, and the people who are hunting, they take their GPS and they go online and they get the coordinates for the geocache or geocaches. You can get a whole bunch at once. And then your your GPS will get you close to that cache, and then you look for it, and you make sure nobody's watching, and you take it out and you sign the little log and you stick it back and you hide it back. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's really fun. It's really, really it fun because like fun. some of it, some of them are as big as an ammo. You know what ammo cans are? The the military ammo yeah. cans. Those metal things. Uh-huh. They can be as big as that. And not only wow. do they have a log, but they can have little things, little trade items where you know people leave, leave like trinkets, and you can take a trinket and give a trinket. Or they can be as small as a little bolt. We Courtney and I have uh, hidden a wow. few geocaches, and some of them are they're like the size of a button, and they're magnetic. Wow. And there's this tiny little piece of unroll that little piece of paper, and you sign it. And then you stick it back, and then you had it again. And you know it's magnetic, so you can put them on road signs. You can put them, you know, anywhere you can stick a magnet. Um, so it's just really fun, and it takes us on roads we've never been on before because you're following the GPS. And um, uh-huh. it's just it's. And I know quite a few. You know, like I don't know if you know Mark Rainey, the writer Mark Rainey, the horror writer uh-huh. Mark Rainey. He he's a big geocacher, and right. and. Uh, uh. Yeah, I mean he's got thousands of finds, and we've only got probably four hundred. But we're having a we're, we're having a wow. good time. It's you know I didn't even know what wow. it was until just a few years ago. Uh, I was working in a bookstore, and people would would come in and 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 talk about that, and I I had no I had no idea what was going on. I'm all, what are these people doing? Yeah, I bet. And what's really nice is the fact that the people who geocache are really respectful over the environment. You know, they're not throwing cigarette butts out. They're not tramping flowers. They're really careful. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, th- they are very, you know, respectful of wherever these are. They're not going to, you know, go tearing up the place. And I think yeah. that's great. They were very great. It was. And I thought, you know, what an interesting, you know, it, it just, I thought it was fascinating. I've never done it, but it sounds fantastic, actually. It does. Um, it's, real, it's really fun. And some of them are so freaking tricky. I mean, we found, we were out in the woods and there was a geocache in a pine tree and it was shaped like a pine cone. Nice. And the, wow. And the, geo, and the geocache, the GPS will get you within, you know, sometimes 10 feet. Five feet, yeah. uh-huh. but then you have to, then you have to start looking for something that looks weird or see if you can find it hiding. And uh-huh. all these pine cones, and it was in a freaking pine cone. <laughs> we found it. <laughs> oh, that's great! Somebody had somebody had drilled up into the stem of the pine cone and put one of those little tiny geocaches in there. You have to get out with tweezers. <laughs> but it was, I mean, you see, you know, you feel like, oh, I've just accomplished something. I found a geocache in a pine cone. <laughs> You know what I really love? When you get excited, your accent becomes even stronger. <laughs> oh, no. I, hope, I hope you understand me. I love it. No, no. That's yeah, your word. Yeah. 
I love yeah. it. I love it. Oh, oh, already so picking it up. Yeah. One, one sentence. Oh, I was going to say, one, you'd have to have closed caption maybe if, uh, yeah. you know, somebody's <laughs> looking online. No. <laughs> You're very easy to understand. Oh, yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, one thing that both of us, one thing that both of us are, are particularly interested in is because uh, one of the things that, that Tamara and I are working on now is the Ghost of Ravencrest, which is a, a serialized, like, gothic you know, kind of gothic yes. horror romance. And and we are, you know, both really influenced by um Dark Shadows. And yes. I and yeah, I understand that among your many accomplishments you also uh wrote some Dark Shadows tie ins. I wrote one and I wrote it with Mark Rainey, the other geocache. Nice. Ah. We, we got to work on it together. <laughs> and it was great because um Laura Parker wrote the introduction to our novel, which was yeah. very cool. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was what was great about writing this, other than the fact it was so much fun. Because Mark and I are both Dark Shadows fans from way back when. Um, was the fact that when we, you know, Dan Curtis was still alive at the time, uh-huh. and um, we we got in touch with him through the editor, and we wanted to make a reveal as to who Victoria Winter's mother really was, and we said we oh. want to make it. We want to make it Elizabeth Collins. We want to make it Elizabeth Stoddard Collins. Or well, Elizabeth well, Stoddard, yeah. yeah. And and he yeah. said, okay. We, he we, he let us do it. Oh, that's nice. wonderful. Isn't that, that the coolest thing? Secret. So yeah. we were able we to had, add to yeah. the storyline by having Elizabeth be Victoria's mom. And that's, you know, of course that was a big spoiler yeah. just now, because if you read the book, you'll find that out. But <laughs> you know, really if, fun. You know dark, yeah. Yeah. if you know Dark Shadows, that's, I mean, I was 10 years old, and I knew it was that had to be her mother. You know, yeah, but they never said it for but, sure. No, not they, once. They never actually said it. No. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And we, the way we plotted it out, you know, I, I was teaching at the time, because I taught for 19 years. Seventh uh-huh. grade life science. Was oh, my God. Crazy. You're a hero. I know. Hey, good old middle <laughs> school. <laughs> what I yeah. did was I got one of those big pieces of bulletin board paper from school. I brought it to my house. Mark came up from North Carolina. I laid it out on the floor, and we just mapped the whole thing out on like a storyline, like this big, uh-huh. you know, this timeline where who was who was doing what when. We put it out on the on the bulletin board paper, and then we alternated writing chapters. I wrote the, the female uh-huh. chapter point of view, and he wrote the male chapter point of view, and it was great fun. Nice, oh. very nice. Oh. Who were the point of view characters? Victoria? Pardon me. Who were the point of view characters? Well, one was Thomas Blackburn, who was a new character. Uh huh. And the other was Victoria. Oh, how fun! Yeah, I love it. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. Now the problem was, you know, when you do anything that has such a big fan base, you're always going to uh-huh. get into trouble with somebody because oh, sure. you know it came out. We got a lot of good reviews. We were thrilled to death, and then some people were, like, "Where was Julia? You didn't put <laughs> Julia in there." It's like well, Julia and Julia went to the beach. You know, give me a break, Julia. No, you can't, yeah. you can't juggle everybody. <laughs> Julia nice. was otherwise oh. occupied. <laughs> so were you were you on Team Barnabas or Team Quentin back then? Quentin. Me oh, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I had no use and for I Barnabas at Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was big into the Quentin business there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that was so, some nice so do, you, 
do you see yourself ever writing any more gothic novels? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, there was a novel I wrote that came out a couple of years ago called Twisted Branch, but it was written under the pen name Chris Blaine, Blaine because mm-hmm. um, Berkeley, Berkeley wanted a series of haunted novels set in Cape May, New Jersey. And I wrote one, oh. Matt Costello wrote one, Craig Shaw Gardner wrote one. Um, and that was probably the first time I actually wrote a ghost story. And it was a blast. Oh. And then after oh. that, I wrote A Home Place, which are Home Place, which is also a ghost novel. So I have no doubt I'll do that again because it's a it oh, really nice. is it's, very it's, nice. Yeah, we're having different. we're having a yeah we're having a blast. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. On well, we are we are just about out of time. Um, oh my goodness! I know, isn't it crazy? That went fast. I know. Oh, <laughs> well, you'll come back, um, right? Yes, we would love oh, to have yeah. you back. Oh yeah, I'm sure yes. that'd be great. Um, but I, we will have, um, we, uh, I, I can't get into my email right now cause I'm having issues, but I will check and we will, um, email the winners, the people, the first three people who emailed That's us sure. and, All right. and, and yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we do have winners. I saw that, but I can't get back. I love either. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We okay. definitely, we have our three winners. Um, uh, before we go very, very quickly, I have one, one more question for you. Um, uh-huh. what, you have accomplished so much. I mean, and there's so many things that I wish we could talk about, but what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment? What are you the most proud of? As a writer? Yes. Or, or you know what, or in, in life as a writer? Anything. Both. Yeah. Uh, well, as a writer, um, I guess I'm most proud of the fact that I've been complimented on actors that I write. And I, I mean, I love that because I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm a member of Amnesty International. I'm a member of Human Rights Campaign. I'm a member of Equality Virginia. I'm really big into human rights and human issues. And so, and, and it's really important to me. And so, when people say that they feel, they, you know, they, they feel drawn to my characters, that is important to me because I try to get the characters um, enough humanity that, that there's something there to offer to the reader. Right. At least that's my goal. And so I'm I'm really honored and humbled when people say that. So as a writer, nice. that's my greatest comp. Otherwise, look, I, I'm proud of I'm proud of my kids. Nice. <laughs> my daughter my daughter yeah. Aaron and and my son Brian. Very nice. I've got a son Brian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, else? <laughs> so so finally, finally could you tell readers where they can find out more about you and where they can get copies of your books and et cetera, et cetera? Well, um, my website is www.elizabethmassey.com, and a lot of my books are online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, that's probably the quickest way to get them. All righty. Just about any all right. of them. All right. So, all right. So, check her out, everybody. And we, I hope that we can have you back sometime. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, yes. we'll see if Tamara, we'll see if Tamara picks up on your accent. <laughs> At least for a little while, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thank right. you so much. Um, this has been a blast. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for being a guest, and thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, we've been talking to Elizabeth Massey, uh, who is the author of eleven horror novels, five collections, and more than one hundred short stories. Also, she has won the Bram Stoker Award twice, and uh, later tonight we will be emailing our three winners. Uh, 
the three people who emailed us either at Haunted Nights Live at Gmail or on our Haunted Nights Live uh, Facebook page uh, will each win a copy of three books, Desper Hollow, uh, Hellgate, and Night Benedictions. Um, it has been a blast. It is an honor yeah. to meet you, truly. Thank you. Um, it's been a blast and honor to meet you guys, too. Oh, oh. thank you. Um, it's, we're looking forward to we're looking forward to having you having you on again and um, again thank you everybody for listening and until next week we wish you haunted nights and sweet screams thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.